Roni's Own Media and Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast proudly present Disney Once Again. Hello and welcome to Disney Once Again. In this podcast, we will revisit a Disney classic animated film. We're going to give our favorite things about it and any connections that we see to ABC TV's Once Upon a Time. Your hosts are Jeff Roney and Colleen Roney. And now on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Disney Once Again. Hello. We haven't just watched, but we did watch Sleeping Beauty, <laughs> 1959 Disney animated classic. Yes. And this is podcast episode 238, and you can get to the show notes at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 238. So let's dive in. Okay, let's do that. Did you want to talk about the opening credits there, the way um, they looked, or? Well, yeah, because before the book, there's you know a little bit of credits that um, begin, and uh, it's a very lovely you know background, a lot of fleur de lis, mm -hmm. um, which is French because this is a French fairy tale, and um, very, very artistic. Very medieval, I mm -hmm. thought. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it and is. there's a lot of medieval influence. Yes. And by the way, in the opening credits, it also indicates that it was released in 1958, which is not true. Mm -hmm. But it was 1959 when it was actually January of 1959. So I don't know if they intended to release it earlier than that. And when they drew the opening credits, they animated the opening credits, they put 1958, but if you if you notice that, it's actually there. I do know that they didn't actually do all this in 1958. They really right, started right. almost 10 years earlier, in 1951. A lot of problems and difficulties. Exactly. Yeah. They recorded things and they animated, you know, 51 to 53. And then, uh, you know, a lot of other things happened and it, it was taking so long because... Ivan Earl, who did a lot of the art direction for it in the backgrounds, very painstakingly did amazing, amazing animation um, and drawing of the backgrounds. And where normally it would take, you know, a day to paint some of those cells, it was taking seven to ten days to paint the cells because of what he was putting into them. So that's why it took so long. Yes, indeed. So anyway. <laughs> This is a nice little intro. Right. Right. Which this movie is actually based on the the music, I should say, is based on the ballet uh, by Tchaikovsky, Sleeping Beauty. So you'll hear a lot of that going on in the background. Yes. And what I did want to talk about is the book. We have another storybook mm -hmm. open. Mm -hmm. But this time, no Once Upon a Time started. It did not start mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although, 
it, to me, when I listen to the Once Upon a Dream song, the word once kind of jumps out at me. Oh, yeah. Once upon <laughs> once it, you know, so anyway, it's there, but it's not completely there. So, but the one thing that did stand out to me is as we've gone through these kind of fairy tale Disney animated classics, mm-hmm. the narration said their wish, meaning the king and queen's wish was granted. And Aurora was born. Right. They wanted a child for mm-hmm. so long and weren't able to have one. And then they had their wish granted, apparently. Right. And so, again, it was one of those things where I was thinking, did they make a wish or was it just kind of a uh, a term for something that they really wanted? Anyway. Yeah, I don't of... know. But anyway, they have their baby. Mm-hmm. And so they proclaim a holiday to pay homage to the you know the princess and so she is uh christened and at this christening she's betrothed to her father's friend king hubert's son philip who is probably about five or six at the time i did want to talk just a bit about the the princess aurora song Mm -hmm. and so we'll just play a bit of it okay Now, the thing, this is kind of where my jokey mind goes on. It's just, mm-hmm. hail to the princess, hail to the princess. And it's just, mm-hmm. they're kind of telling you things instead of really singing. It's just, I don't know. Well, they were singing. Uh, they were. And they were singing basically wishes for her. Yes. Health to the princess, wealth to the princess, hail to the princess Aurora. The thing I really noticed about this whole segment of when people are arriving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The most vibrant colors I've ever seen, oh, yeah. and it was very, very cool. In to sharp see. contrast to mm-hmm. the backgrounds, which were very yes. dark mm-hmm. and very medieval, as you put it. I also saw a very, to me, three D looking use of background and foreground, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the people obviously in the background moved a little slower. Sure, and then the horses in the somewhat in the front moved faster obviously mm-hmm. and so they were kind of playing around with that idea and it really looked i don't know if you understand what i'm saying is there are these cut out pictures mm-hmm. that move along and it, it it looks alive it looks like it's a mm-hmm. it's happening but it's actually a picture sure and that's what it kind of reminds me of is I know you're that about. kind of a thing mm-hmm. so yeah <clears throat> so, we Not, see these mm-hmm. lovely people coming to the you know, the holiday feast, you know, celebration for Princess Aurora. Mm-hmm. And along with those wonderful people, and it's everybody in the kingdom pretty much, uh, we see the three fairies, Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather. And they're in the midst of giving their gifts to the princess, uh, the gift of beauty, and then the gift of song. And Meriwether is about to give her gift. 
and all of a sudden let's talk really fast about when they're giving their gifts mm-hmm. there was this incredible kind of dreamy looking sequence when yeah. we kind of pan up to the galaxy it looks like yeah and their gift is kind of being created and I, so I think you what it see is, it's a foreshadowing of what's to come yes because we do see the grown-up aurora in those uh fantasy sequences mm-hmm. so to speak of what they're showing this is what she will grow she will grow mm-hmm. in beauty she will be you know more beautiful than most and she will grow in song and she'll have this most beautiful voice and she'll be you know kind and lovely and and everyone will love her and that's where they were you know kind of showing the future so to speak it was a almost a Saul Bass kind of a it was a Hitchcockian thing. Hitchcock used that kind of thing in Vertigo mm. with the dream sequences, very high mm. color, high contrast kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just really, really interesting what they did. They had that push in through the flowers and push into the kingdom. And mm-hmm. it was just really, really incredible. I mean, we've talked a lot about Walt Disney kind of trying something. And I would imagine the animators, you know, kind of sure. pitched it to Walt. Say, sure. look, Walt, you know, we have this idea for this segment. Let's make it look really artistic and let's try something different. So I really enjoyed each one of those uh, types. But then we see there was someone that obviously did not get an invitation. She did not. And that was Maleficent. Yep. She appears in a big green flash or something if i remember correctly and um she has her pet raven diablo which he's not actually named but his name is diablo on her um staff and so she's there and the three little fairies especially meriwether who's quite the little sassy pants yes she probably my favorite she is hilarious she's like what is she doing here she's not wanted and uh she the scene that they play out in this animated feature is almost verbatim exactly what they did in the Maleficent movie that was released this right. year. Uh, the same christening scene, the fairies are there, and uh, Maleficent appears. And when they, she, you know, basically says, I wasn't invited, you know, I didn't get my invitation, blah, 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 blah. The fairies are like, you weren't wanted. And she goes, well... This is an awkward situation. And then she turns to leave, and that's when Queen Leah, Aurora's mother, speaks up and says, you're not offended, are you? And she's terrified because she knows that if she's offended, they're all in trouble. Um, And she says, why no? In fact, I've come to give a gift as well. And that's when she gives her gift of she's going to prick her finger on a spindle of a spinning wheel before her 16th birthday and will die. Mm -hmm. That's not much of a gift. That's a curse. Right. (laughs) So she does this and they all, of course, just freak. And then Maleficent leaves, you know, in a flash of green and very almost bat-like. It was very funny Mm -hmm. how the way her, um, when she disappeared, it almost looked like she turned into a bat which I'm sure she did not, but some of the, when we spoke about Robin hood, yeah, I talked about some of the sound effects being a little silly. Yeah. There were, it, there was at least two that I really considered silly sounding. Okay. 
when Maleficent would click her scepter on the ground. Oh, yeah. That sounded really out of place. It didn't have a deep booming. It no, almost had a it was click. 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 Well, it kind of drove me crazy. It was technically a, a walking stick, so to speak. Okay. But anyway. But also, the, and we'll get to it later, we'll talk about the dragon snapping. And you told me about that. But yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to the that end. point. But so, anyway, the scepter click was kind of strange. It was just too high pitched, I think, um, for what you expected from Maleficent. I. I do love how, and we've talked about this for Once Upon a Time and different things, how there is this agreement or set rules for certain things like magic or curses or certain things. And so when Maleficent was leaving, it was interesting the evil queen, or I'm sorry, the queen, Aurora's mother, Mm -hmm was kind of trying to kiss up to her and say, well, you're not offended, are you? <laughs> that, that you weren't invited. And she was scared. Absolutely she, she was. She was really scared. Everyone was kind of nervous, except for a Merriweather. She wanted to probably sock <laughs> Maleficent in the face or something. She was a little But it was really, everyone was nervous, but the queen actually kind of tried to talk to her and kind of, uh, but the... Go ahead. No, go ahead. When Maleficent left, though, they started to kind of plot, well, what are we going to do? No, 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 they didn't, actually, at this point. What they did was they panicked. They absolutely panicked. Right. And Meriwether goes, wait, wait, wait. Or Flora Fauna, one of the two, said, wait, wait, Meriwether still has mm-hmm. her gift. Yep. Oh, then she can break the, she can take the curse away. No, she can't take it, but right. she can at least weaken it so that it, you know, so that it will help. She can help. So, and Meriwether was like, you know, all of a sudden she's like, oh, wait, this is on me. They didn't know what she was going to do, but she had to, she had to do, come up with something that was going to help. Right. So Meriwether kind of went, okay, all right, Miss Bravado, I'm going to go punch Maleficent. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden has to think of something that will be effective that won't, you know, hurt Aurora, but that will, um, you know, make things better. And so she pretty much said, if she breaks, she pricks her finger on the spinning wheel, right. then she won't die, mm-hmm. but she'll fall into a deep sleep. Only to be awakened by a true love's kiss. Yes. So <clears throat> that's where that whole thing went. So, again, I think the kiss breaking the curse was inferred. I don't know if we, I don't remember if she we did heard. Say. Well, no, no, no. But, but before, like Snow White. Snow White, we, it was for love's first kiss. Okay. Not true right. love's kiss necessarily. It was love's first kiss, which is essentially the same thing. It's just worded differently. So I love that Meriwether kind of, she couldn't take it away, but she did kind of spin it around so that it wasn't just death. Right. She would die. Right. You know, so. She was able to at least soften the blow a bit. And then at that point in time, you know, King Stefan is, he's not taking any chances. So he orders every spinning, spinning wheel in the entire kingdom to be burned and so they had a nice little bonfire there in the middle right. of the palace courtyard with the you know hundreds and hundreds of spinning wheels, which when you think about it, that means nobody can make clothes of sort. They have to go mm-hmm. outside the kingdom to get their fabric or hope and pray they've all got it or figure out how to spin, um, spin yarn another way. 
I do love how, first of all, fairy tales are like all or nothing. They, it's like you said, all the spinning wheels, every single one of them, mm-hmm. and they burnt them because yeah. that's what you had to do for right. the child. And but another thing I did want to bring up, the animation is just fantastic. I, I can't think of a, a better word for mm-hmm. that. This yeah. was really a work of art. It really it was. was. And again, Walt's favorite of his animated features, and it's mine as well. I would consider this, and I wrote it down somewhere, this is the Disneyland of an animated feature. Because everywhere you look, there's something to see. Right. There's some little something that's put somewhere. Yeah. And we, you know, I was kind of hard on things like Robin Hood and all that. It just kind of seemed slapped together. And Mm -hmm. we talked about there was not much budget. They had to do it kind of quickly. Sure. But this was really mm-hmm. in the hands of the masters working on something just beautiful and gorgeous. And the one thing I want to say is at Disneyland, there is a Sleeping Beauty walkthrough. Yes, and most in peop- the castle. In the castle. Most people don't go there, mostly yeah. because they don't it's, know. it's sort of like a, a trip to the gym going on a <laughs> Stairmaster. Yeah. Because but, it's not a ride. Right. You, you have to walk you through. You walk through. But you walk through the middle inside the castle. Yes. I mean, Sleeping Beauty's castle, by the way, Disneyland opened in 1955. This wasn't released until 1959. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a long time. That's three and a half years before, actually, yeah, three and a half years before it was released. Right. So Walt knew that it was going to be Sleeping Beauty's Castle, and I think because they'd been working on the animation for so long yes, that yeah. that's why he they purposely designed it after Sleeping Beauty's Castle. And they did. It looks very similar to her castle. Now, initially, <clears throat> at least what I recall, the be, they did a nice revamp of this walkthrough. And there's little, mm-hmm. gla- uh, little windows that you look through to see different parts of the movie that we're talking about. Yeah. And but the original one had really sort of cheesy looking dolls well, and they not did. really good. When you figure when Sleeping Beauty's walkthrough was done, it probably was done in the sixties. I don't know 70s. for sure. I'd have to look that up. But I'm I'm pretty confident it was a while back, and they right. never did anything with it until a few years ago, and it was closed for mm-hmm. gosh at least a year, if not longer. And they definitely improved it and added some really cool effects in there now that we've got the technology to do so. And uh, But yeah, the, there was something about those dolls, though, that just you know reminded me of my childhood. True. So The, the revamp is incredible. It's it is. actually like looking in at the movie. The movie. Oh, yeah. And you know, even the little birds and, and different things, they have these really cool projections yeah. and all this, and it looks yeah. 3D almost, kind of like we're talking about with the multi-plane camera. Yeah. They actually kind of used the multi-planes of the, the the trees or different things so you can see back far and all that. But it's really neat. If you've never been in that Sleeping Beauty walkthrough, take some time. Definitely. Go and check it out at Disneyland in Anaheim. So... Make sure that you check that out. Mm-hmm. And there's a fun little thing with a door. Yeah. Try and open a door, and I'm not going to give away the yeah. secret. Yeah. But it's, that's fun. It's fun. All right. So back to the movie. Yes. <laughs> so 
King Stefan burns all the spinning wheels, mm-hmm. but the fairies realize that that's not enough to stop Maleficent. You know, she'll find a way because she's sneaky and devious and evil. I have to tell you, back uh, when they were telling her she was not wanted, I actually felt bad for Maleficent. Even as a child, I recognized that that was kind of mean. And these are the good fairies. Regardless of what her evil is, why is she so evil? Why couldn't they just let her be there? I mean, if they had let her come and not been so standoffish with her, maybe she would have given her a really cool gift instead and, of trying to kill her. And I know the story was Sleeping Beauty. That's the name of the right. film and that's right. the story. Right. But I wish we would have had just a little bit of background into Maleficent's story so that we could have figured out why. She was so mean. Why she did what she did? Exactly. That would have been that would have been nice to have known. So, because we just we didn't know. We didn't know. And she's just mean, and that's all. Yeah. So, what do they do? The fairies. uh, And I thought this is really cute. They're in somebody's chamber. I don't know if they're in in a bed chamber. If they're in like a just a a guest room or something off uh, in the castle. And they shrink themselves down to teeny tiny little fairy size. And then they put themselves inside a music box. (laughs) And um, uh, the reason why is because the walls have ears, which I thought was really fascinating. So the walls have ears so that people can hear, but inside the music box, you can't, I guess maybe because they were so tiny, their voices would be so little. You couldn't hear, but they lock themselves in there. And that's when they start hatching a plan of how they can protect Aurora. And so, of course, Flora being the, um, you know, Flora meaning flowers and trees and, you know, that sort of thing. She immediately thinks, well, let's turn her into a flower. And then Meriwether, the voice of reason, says, right, and that'll be great until Maleficent comes and picks her. And then they're like... Or... She said, "Sends a frost." Right, to, sends a frost, yeah, yeah. or comes and picks her, and so then poor Fauna. Fauna is kind of the ditzy one, and Fauna means animals typically, so she's kind of very sweet like that. And um, <laughs> she said, "Oh dear, she always ruins your best flowers," which I thought was really cute. But I did want to bring out that the walls have ears, and I wrote like the mirrors in Once Upon a Time. Oh yeah, because even you've got Rumple covering up mirrors because. We know with a magic mirror, yeah, who is using all mirrors to relay information to the evil queen, mm-hmm. and so that was a concern. But even they understood the walls have oh, yeah, mirrors walls and all that. Right. The turning the princess into a flower, maybe or maybe not, had a shadowing of Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. Just the full flower oh, idea. Yeah. So. Maybe, but I think it's just that's just normal where Flora would have thought is something to do with you know flowers and trees and things like that. Yep. So then uh, they decide that you know they they have to keep her hidden away. They got to take her away, and it was going to be a tough thing because even they said, "Are you sure they're gonna they're not going to like this? You know, king and queen are not going to yeah. like this." But if it's going to keep her safe, and then you know they turn themselves into peasant women. They hid their wings, and Flora took the wands, and she pretty much hid them away. And they took the baby and went to the woodcutter's cottage in the forest, deep in the forest where nobody would find it. And they realized they were going to have to pretty much live like people instead of fairies. What what did that kind of remind you of as far as Once Upon a Time? Um, 
Just wow. The land with no magic. Well, yeah. There's Basically, that. take magic yeah. out of the equation. Yeah. Storybrook. Storybrook, and mm-hmm. in, in a way, and and so that's the first thing I thought of is yeah. I wonder if you know Adam and Eddie. Obviously, I think. They had researchers and probably they watched all of these movies and started mm-hmm. jotting ideas. Like, sure. This is good. That's good. Right. So. Well, and, and Rumpel's uh, Cottage in the Woods, mm-hmm. that was kind of far, 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 far away. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was interesting. So Maleficent's Forbidden Mountain. Yes. I thought it was very Tolkien-esque instead of Mount Doom. <laughs> it was Forbidden Mountains. Yeah. And the... Maleficent had a similar forbidden fortress. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she did in Once Upon a Time. Yep. Yeah, yep. wasn't easy to get to. That's for sure. No, and treacherous, which this one was too. So Maleficent's in there, and she's like, "I can't believe this. You guys are a bunch of idiots. I'm surrounded by fools. Why haven't you found her?" And then they start talking, and explaining that you know we haven't you know we've looked in all the cradles and she's like oh my god and then she tells her pet diablo she's like oh my gosh these these idiots these bumbling fools i i don't understand this they've been looking 16 years for a baby mm-hmm. go find a teenage girl of about 16 cuz it's been you know it's almost her 16th birthday and she's you know grown up and they and maleficent realizes this and instead of looking for you know the baby she sends diablo out to go look can I can I talk just a bit about antagonists of stories for a minute? Sure. Poor Maleficent, but actually poor antagonist of every story in the world. They have the goofiest sidekicks, troops, people to help them. I mean, you've got <laughs> minions and weird people and pig-like troops. And anytime you have this really heat, strong anti-hero, you've got these awful troops yeah yeah they they don't get can't do anything they don't understand anything so it's just anyway and did they look familiar to you well they look like the pig guards in return of the jedi but i think they were actually the same characters that were used just change their color Mm. um for robin hood oh I think Robin Hood used those same characters and gave them colors. There's a lot of stuff borrowed because for sure. They borrowed stuff from other, you know, anime and I'm pretty confident those are the same costumes and same, you know, armor that they were wearing. They they looked identical in some cases. So but yeah, she had bumbling guards and bumbling idiots and that's kind of what she, but again, with a evil character, you kind of you're kinda of gonna get that. Right. You you've got Maleficent telling her raven to search for a maiden with lips as red as the rose. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, it kind of sounds like Snow White a little bit. Yes, yes. Because so, Snow, White's, Snow White's mother did wish, for, did wish for a daughter that had skin as fair as white as the snow and lips as red as the, you know, shame the red, red rose. So, yeah. And Sleeping Beauty had the same thing. And... Do all these princes Hair of gold and lips as red as the rose? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do all princesses have at least one scene where they open the second story window and clean and sing? All of them, or I maybe think the a first? Lot of them do yeah, but not all of them. But it's, yeah, it's almost a checklist, you know. Kind of very, very beautiful, great singing voice, and cleans mm-hmm. and sings out a window. Yeah. So anyway, maybe just, that's still to give you know girls the you know 
hey, she's just like you. Even if she's a princess, she still cleans, you know, like you do. I don't know. Yes. And <laughs> it fits with the story very nicely. Sure. The thing the thing I thought was funny is the minute they turn in their wand, everything that because we've talked about the animals helping clean and magical things helping you clean mm-hmm. in Cinderella. Mm-hmm. The once you hand in your wand, you can't make a dress and you can't bake very well. It's just then you think about all the magical ways that they've done and now they can't. Right. So it's very, very, very hard. Right. So it's right. funny. Right. Absolutely. When they're trying to help her out. Well, because it's her birthday, and so they send her out berry picking, so they can they can do a nice little surprise birthday party for her. And this is any other day like it's a day like any other, although they're op- optimistically cautious because you know Maleficent still hasn't found her, but the sun hasn't set and one of them actually even says that so they decide they're going to bake a cake and make a dress and Meriwether unfortunately ends up being the model for the dress and speaking of models do you know where Sleeping Beauty's grown-up body was modeled from no she was modeled from Audrey Hepburn okay that very willowy wispy thin slender she was modeled after Audrey Hepburn I really thought that Aurora was beautifully animated to mm-hmm. the point where I was looking, I was going, she's beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the hair and the kind of flirty hands and all that. I'm going, they really captured a lot. They did indeed. Yeah, so. I'll tell you that as a young child, part of the reason I love this movie so much is because I wanted to be her and because I was in love with Philip. Mm. He was an animation, but he was so cute. He was incredibly handsome. When I was growing up, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's, I someday want to marry a Prince Philip. Well, we had another one of those. It happened in Snow White as well where the fairy, I'm sorry, the princess was singing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this random guy comes, I know. You know, he just jumped out of nowhere <laughs> and started to sing. Well, he was riding through on his horse, Samson. Yes. And... They were kind of riding along, and all of a sudden he heard her singing in the forest. And she was singing to the animals. She's kind of singing to herself, and she's, you know, she communes with the animals, much like most princesses apparently do. Right. That's another magical power that they all have, cleaning, uh, beautiful singing voices and talking to animals. And the animals love them. So um, she's there, and she's explaining how she's, you know, she wants to meet the handsome prince and she's already met him in her dreams and that's when she starts singing Once Upon a Dream. Like, which is like this? Gorgeous. Oh, 
very pretty song. Yes. Well, she is a classically trained opera singer. So, yeah. One of the funniest quotes, though, when the fairies were making the dress, I don't know who said it, but it may be Flora. She goes, that dress looks awful. Oh, it was Meriwether. <laughs> she goes, well, that's because it's on you, dear. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Meriwether, Meriwether said, said, yeah, this dress, dress looks, looks awful. awful. And then somebody goes, well, that's because it's on you, dear. Flora said that's because My it's on gosh. you. I thought it was hilarious. And I always, I was always amused by the fact that Fauna made the cake without actually baking it. And I never understood how mm-hmm. she could get it to sit in those perfect layers at first That's until magical. it starts sliding yeah. down the broom handle. One of the funniest scenes in the whole thing is, you know, that whole fiasco of making the cake and the dress. And the dress looked terrible. It did look terrible. I love the horse. Oh, Samson? Oh, man. Philip's horse, Samson? Mm -hmm. It's almost second to Flynn Rider's horse in Tangled. Yeah. And that was not Flynn Rider's horse, by the way. Well, that was the That was the captain's horse that was coming after him. And I, off the top of my head, I want to say, I can't remember his name right now. I'll have to look it up. It was a great horse, though. Yeah. Whoever's it was and whatever the name. Yeah. But this horse really had a lot of personality, and I I thought it was just great. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a fantastically drawn, very funny mm-hmm. character, and uh, I think the tangled, the horse entangled was a little bit of a nod to for Prince Philip's horse because he looked very similar and had some of the same attitude that uh, that Philip's horse Samson had. It's funny how dogs affect certain things well. Like for instance, the there's dog like features to mm-hmm. the the horse entangled anyway just thinking how how certain mannerisms kind of affect animation and so but the one thing i did want to talk about is in the backgrounds we have square trees but it worked it's very stylized well, yeah. absolutely the, the 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 leaf area of the tree at the top was square right and most of the time you would look and you go there's no square, you know, unless it's like a topiary or something. Right. But I just, it fit. It really worked. There's such a, a stunning background work they did on this. The horse entangled is Maximus. I was right. Maximus. Yeah. Yes. And I also wanted to talk about when. Go ahead. What? When Aurora said, if you dream a thing more than once, it's sure to come true. Mm-hmm. So again, we learn these rules about wishes and dreams mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. within these films. Right. And I think we incorporate that in our mindset. Yeah. It's almost like Disney was kind of teaching us about life. It's, sure. you know, don't tell a wish, right? Don't tell a wish or it won't come true. Right. Or if you dream a dream twice, it's going to come true. More than once, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it really... Yeah, really. Because a dream is a wish your heart makes. Yes. So we know that from Cinderella. A dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. We already knew that from her. We learned that from her. And now in Sleeping Beauty, and if you dream it more than once, it's going to come true. So um, there's that. And then as Cinderella, or Cinderella, wow. As Aurora and, well, her name is Briar Rose Mm -hmm. in the woodcutter's cottage because they can't call her Aurora because that's obvious. Um, 
she is there dancing and singing with Philip and, you know, they, it's their falling in love, you know, moment. And they're looking out over the castle and she, she's starting to, you know, feel very comfortable with him and realizes, wait a minute, he's a stranger and I have to go, but I need to see you again. Come meet me at the woodcutter's cottage, you know, tonight. And, um, she's very excited about this cause she's in love. Meanwhile, back at the woodcutter's cottage, the fairies are struggling and they realize she's going to be back and they still haven't gotten things fixed. So they decide to pull out the magic wands to make it right because they don't want to you know, mess up her 16th birthday. And then they start getting nostalgic and, and kind of maudlin because they realize that this is their last day with her. Mm-hmm. You know, she has to go back to the king and queen. Um, her her parents. She needs to go be with her parents. And so they're kind of sad, and then they realize, we don't have much time, let's do this. And so Flora, the you know logical one, pulls out the hole. Make sure you plug up every hole and crack. Uh, we don't want any anybody seeing anything. And so then they start you know getting to work on what they're doing. And Flora's making the dress, Fauna's making the cake, and Meriwether gets to clean. Right. And so they get the, you know, the household, you know, items to do things on their own. The broom and the mop sweeping up the floor reminded me of Fantasia for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Lots of lots of Fantasia even with yeah. when I was talking about the whole uh conjuring of the gift mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. A lot of Fantasia yeah. there as well, yeah. but for sure the mops and cleaning and all that definitely right. sorcerer's apprentice. Right. right. So we have this going on, and then Flora and Meriwether are having this argument over what color the dress should be. Love that. I am with Meriwether. It should be blue. Mm. That's the right color. I love pink, don't get me wrong, but I think it was a prettier dress in blue. That's just me. And so uh, having that dress, you know, the two of them going back and forth, and then they get into a battle problem is they forgot they plugged up all the holes and the windows and the doors and the cracks in the walls and stuff they forgot the fireplace and so the smoke the pink and blue smoke um and magic is going up the fireplace and that's when diablo who's searching the land for the 16 year old maid decides huh that's kind of not normal so let's go take a look at that and uh he goes over and looks in the window and he sees the fairies and he sees her and he realizes it's her. And that's when he flies back to Maleficent to let her know. Did you, did you notice that when they were having their little pink and blue war, Mm -hmm. that it was either like a police, an old police show where they were kind of getting behind (laughs) something and then kind of firing off with the wand back and forth it was either that or it actually kind of sort of reminded me of the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. ride, you know, just yeah. shooting back and forth oh, and yeah. all that. It's so it was, battle. Yeah. yeah. It was a battle. Yeah. And you definitely need to hide from something that's going to, you know, be magical. So, can yeah. You, can you imagine if that movie came out now, just the Twitter war that would oh, go dude. on, I want it blue. I want it. Can you imagine? If they never, I mean, because even at the end of the movie, I mean, I'm skipping ahead, but I mean, they still really couldn't. And you are passionate about what color that dress should be. Yeah. Can you imagine? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my god. And by the way, do you realize that that was actually put into the movie because that was an actual real point of contention for the animators I and had the no directors? Idea. Wow. Yeah. The, the the directors were having an argument over which color it should be. They had a difference of opinion, so they brought they put that in the movie. Wow. Isn't that funny? Well, and I, I know that argument is still obviously going on today. I mean, oh, yeah. there there are ladies that we know. Yeah. It's just like, it doesn't have to be pink. It could right. be purple. It could be any, any color. Right. You know. So anyway, it's just, it's very interesting that even back then, yeah. they oh, had yeah. arguments like they that. They had arguments. So. Wow. so they incorporated that as part of the movie. And that's actually, it, it was a very nice little plot tool because it did give Diablo a way to see right. where they were. Because if they had not done that, he would never have found her. Mm-hmm. And so we knew he had to find her in order to get Maleficent uh, because, you know, she still hasn't gone to sleep yet. So Now, I love good old-fashioned slapstick humor. Mm-hmm. And the next segment had a great bit of slapstick humor. Now, overall, I thought this next segment, when we went back to the castle, mm-hmm. and we had Stefan and Hugo... Hubert. Hubert. Yes. Talking about oh, yeah. what's going on, you know, um, well, I, I'm concerned and... Well, because Philip came back... Right. ...and told his father, King Hubert, that he had fallen in love with the yeah. the maiden in the forest, mm-hmm. the peasant girl in the forest unknowing that it was actually Aurora to whom he was already betrothed anyway. Yep. But the the minstrel. The, oh my gosh. The, the minstrel? The yeah, the minstrel guy. Yeah, let's pronounce it properly. The minstrel, not menstrual. <laughs> <laughs> the minstrel. What she is saying. Yes. Uh he is hilarious. He he always I made was me close. Laugh. Yeah, you were close. He he made me laugh. <laughs> I love that he was drunk. Oh, he and was, he just kept getting drunker. Absolutely, and drinking wine out of his guitar. Oh, his mandolin, and falling under the table. Oh yeah, that's and then hilarious. His head got stuck in it. That, I mean, that was just. There were so many things that were just so funny about that whole thing. And then later on, he was snoring and and is making the. Yep. Oh my gosh, that was some funny, funny stuff. You don't yeah, expect that kind funny. of thing. No, you don't. So. But it was very classically funny. I mean, just uh, almost Smothers Brothers, but not Smothers Brothers. This is way before the Smothers Brothers were born. But it was one of those, <clears throat> I'm not trying to go off on a tangent, but I am trying to say it's something like a What's Up Doc movie with Barbara Streisand. There's like this thing that just keeps happening. Like the guy brings out the drinks and nobody's taking it, and then he'll drink it. So, I uh-huh. mean, he somebody's going to drink it, and yeah. it might as well be him. He's yeah. serving all these people. And so that's this whole Yeah. Person. Well, the minstrel was was totally sneaking the drinks because the you know the kings were actually toasting and congratulating themselves right. because they knew that Aurora was coming back and they were going to have a wedding and oh they were going to have grandchildren and then it was funny because they started kind of getting into an argument and one of them said and I can't remember which one said well I don't think my grandchildren want you for a grandfather mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't have any grandchildren grandchildren yet so it's kind of funny uh, anyway yes indeed so then. Maleficent basically puts the hex on Aurora. Well, she doesn't put the hex on her. 
Well, she does. I guess if you're, you're she, she hypnotizes, hypnotizes her. Hypnotizes her. Yeah. So, so she shows up at the, the mm-hmm. castle. Right. Aurora is very traumatized because she is, you know, she's fallen in love with the, the man from her dreams and she's now not going to get to meet him. And so she's traumatized, you know, as a petulant 16 year old girl would be. And, um, She's, you know, in the castle and she's got her little crown on her head and she's, you know, dressed in the beautiful dress. And then, you know, she's, you know, very sullen. They take her up to the, you know, the tower to kind of keep her safe. And uh, that's when Maleficent hypnotizes her. And um, she hypnotizes her with music almost, if I remember correctly. I I don't recall, although I know it's just some she hypnotized her somehow right. and she turned green and started following right. her well she didn't turn green she, i think the the glow of okay. the green ball right. reflected on her face making it appear she was green which in most uh movies as you have told me spirit. is either spirit or death mm. um you know ghosty so to speak so so she led her down the stairs and yeah. The fairies are freaking out. What oh, are we yeah. going to do? You know, and they, they don't know where she is. First right. of all, they're, and they're calling to her. Rose, Rose. And so yeah. they're Maleficent's leading Aurora down the stairs, mm-hmm. and then we see something that I recall. I, I haven't had a chance to kind of go back, but it reminds me of Once Upon a Time, where this there's this doorway behind the uh, fireplace. And that's where Maleficent takes her down into this dungeon mm, mm-hmm. in the castle. Yes. And then Maleficent becomes the spinning wheel with the point. She doesn't actually become well, it. Well, she conjures it or something. She conjures it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because while she's conjuring it and making sure that she actually stands there and pricks her finger on the spinning wheel, then, yeah. So, So in the end, again... This, you know, evil character, this antagonist, you could have burned up every spinning wheel in the world and it didn't matter. She would win somehow. And that's what she did. And that was actually very smart when you think about it, that the fairies took her and raised her in the cottage until her 16th birthday. What they should have done is actually waited until her day after her 16th birthday (laughs) to keep her really safe. Right. They figured if she hadn't found her by then. um, Well. They were probably sure they were of themselves. Very, they were as well. still very, very cautious, even mm. at the end. But I mean, to be even more sure, I think that if they'd waited till after that, till the sun had set, then that would have been a whole different ball game. So yeah, she she pricks her finger on the spinning wheel and she falls down into a deep sleep. And Maleficent, you know, is kind of standing guard when the fairies finally arrive and realize what happened. And then they go to try to get her, and she disappears. She's on her way right. to the cottage because she knows that Philip is on his way to the cottage to meet with Briar Rose when she realizes that he is meeting with the woman he's actually betrothed to it just makes it even more delicious so for her you know this is not only does she get to you know put Aurora into deep sleep now she's got to get rid of Philip because she mm-hmm. must realize that the fairies had weakened her curse and she knew that true love's kiss was going to be the thing that would that would uh, wake her up and so she had to get rid of her true love. Yeah. So she's going to, you know, kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. Um, she goes to the cottage to wait for him. 
And uh, the fairies are, you know, putting Aurora back in the tower in uh, a beautiful room. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely wanted that room when I was a little girl. And I thought she looked so pretty laying there with her her hair fanned out behind her and her little crown on her head. And she just looked so peaceful. Um, Then uh, then we see Maleficent. We see Philip arriving at the cottage. And the fairies realize that uh, before, you know, we get to Philip... The fairies realize that in order for them to be able to fix everything, so to speak, the whole castle has to fall asleep because we, she didn't, they didn't want her parents to find out what had happened because it would have just you know crushed them. So um, as they're putting everyone to sleep, which was um, kind of an interesting, funny little, you know, here's this beautiful, soft, almost lullaby type music mm-hmm. and there's guards falling over and <laughs> falling forward on their you know their their long axes and stuff it was really funny and then as they're putting everybody to sleep and they get to the kings i believe it was meriwether who realized one of the two one of the three fairies realized as hubert was saying that stefan had fallen in love or philip had fallen in love with the girl from the cottage they realized oh my gosh philip met aurora Mm -hmm. and fell in love with her we got to go save him and he's on his way there to meet her oh okay now we know what we need to do so they learn what has to happen and um they (sighs) let's go back really fast the connection to once upon a time the pixie dust that put people to sleep yeah that's a definite once upon a time connection sure. sure sure because there was in the first season i remember the fairies bombed Mm mm-hmm the evil queen's guards outside yeah. of the uh, the um, in the courtyard yeah. put him to sleep. Yeah, they didn't la- they didn't stay asleep as long as this movie here. Right, but I mean they stayed right. asleep for an amount of time. Anyway, I just wanted to. No, that was that. A, that was a good good call. So um, the fairies, fa- um, the fairies, basically. Um, Oh, I started to go somewhere. Sorry. Well, I wanted to talk about there's almost kind of this primal celebrating or dancing around a fire back Mm -hmm. at Maleficent's Forbidden Fortress Castle. Before we get to that, because she basically captures Philip at the cottage. Mm -hmm. And then when she has him and takes him back, that's when they do this this primal uh, tribal celebration. So she's at the cottage. He walks in thinking that it's Aurora. Right. And he doesn't recognize that it's Maleficent's voice because he doesn't know. And so he um, he goes inside and it's her. And she essentially kidnaps him Mm -hmm. and her guards and tie him up. And she tells him, she says, you know, I think it's even funny. She didn't say funny, but, you know, it's it's wonderful that you fell in love with the girl who's now your sleeping princess. That's the girl to whom you were betrothed to be betrothed to begin with, and now you will not be able to, you know, give her true love's kiss because I'm going to keep you prisoner until you're an old, 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 old man, and then I'm going to release right. you, and then she won't have aged today. So it's kind of that whole yeah. thing of of she's she's not even going to kill him. She's just going to keep him prisoner until he's too old to do anything about it. Right. And that was a very vengeful thing. I mean, oh, because they, so. they represented that yeah. scene yeah. as an old man going into the kingdom and he's just got gray hair, long hair and a beard and all mm-hmm. this. I mean, we're talking about somebody that really, really hates 
Aurora to the point where, yeah. you know, it, and it it does tie into Once Upon a Time. I'm going to take away your happy ending. You exactly. will not get a happy ending. Exactly. If I don't, you don't. Exactly. And again, in this movie, Sleeping Beauty, we don't know what happened before because obviously she is a fairy. Sure. But somehow she turned evil. Right. But we don't know that. I, and I think if we would have known at least a little bit about her, and it would have been, it would have felt more even to me. But, but right. you know, we just kind of went with it. Okay, she's evil, she's right. bad, right. and and she hates Aurora for some reason. Okay, fine, she whatever. She hates Aurora because she, it's not Aurora that she hates. It's the fairies and King Stefan and right. uh, Queen Leah that she really hates. And I guess this was, for whatever reason, the first time she could do anything about getting back at them. We, I mean, she could have well, picked any number of things. She was trying to get revenge on them in the first place which we don't know why. Now, the movie Maleficent with right, Angelina Jolie right. really explored that very mm-hmm. well. Incredibly well-written story. So, yes. Very different for, from the movie. True. For, but it for, gives you more of Maleficent's backstory, and I actually appreciated that. And it made sense why she was the way she was. We, we do know, in general, that a firstborn child is an important part of any story. Absolutely. And so this is what Hubert and Stefan were talking about. Our firstborn children mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. married, this is huge. So, I mean, I, I guess I'll give Maleficent that. Well, they were The best, whole firstborn, there you right, go. Right, but they were best friends and they wanted to keep their kingdoms always united. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having two kingdoms united against, united with each other against any possible right. enemies is much stronger than trying to fight the enemies individually. And if I remember right, I'm pretty sure I am that in Once Upon a Time, they had fairies that were assigned to certain kingdoms, certain people. I and believe so, so, yeah. I would imagine that Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, and maybe for a time, Maleficent back in the day, right. were assigned to King Stefan, and yeah. I guess that's why. Yeah, possibly. So, I mean, we'll, if you take, we'll go if you, with that. Again, if you take the, the movie Maleficent right. uh, and look at that backstory, it actually explains so much. Yeah. About what could have been the you know the case with Sleeping Beauty, so uh, no, that was really really well done. So they so they captured the the prince right and took him to Maleficent's dungeon right and then they're having this dance around the fire <laughs> and it was very kind of a strange strange it was like a little powwow yeah it was just I don't know I mean normally you you sit around the fire you tell stories you eat but they danced around the fire, and I guess so. Uh, I wrote Meriwether's a scrapper boy, oh, and she, she she'll is. roll up her sleeve. She'll go after somebody. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and then Maleficent, uh, you know, they they did finally go to the to the. They found Philip. And they rescued him, yep. and they release him, and they give him the magical sword of truth and the shield of virtue. So. She, Maleficent realizes that he is escaping, and so she tries to stop him with by building a wall of thorns. Mm-hmm. But the sword of truth and the shield of virtue just and the fairies kind of help. And then her her guys are you know shooting arrows at him, and then they fall down their bubbles. And then there's more spears and things thrown, and there are flowers. So the fairies are kind of protecting him along yeah. with the shield. Let, let's let's kind of step step through this uh, a little. I wanted to bring out. The castle doors look like mouths, like oh. like like teeth, like uh, alligator teeth and mm. that kind of thing, closing and all that. So it's almost like a trap. <laughs> well, yeah. And 
so when he's writing in and the, 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 it was closing, it was like, mm-hmm. wow, it was like a mouth or something like that. And the Flora Fauna and Meriwether had these magic welding wands. They could break metal and heat up things. And mm-hmm. it was, it was pretty incredible. And, and I've just, Again, we have a lot of different folks listening to this. When you hear Sword of Truth and Shield of Virtue, it does kind of, to me, remind me of hearing the sword and the virtue and, you know, from the Bible and, you know, against the enemy, which in this case is a dragon. So I think... Well, it's Maleficent at this point. She hasn't turned into a dragon just yet. Right. But I mean, there are these kind of pictures of Mm -hmm. certain things that I think would resonate with certain people when they watch this movie. So... Um, and we see the purple smoke. We do. In this movie. Yes, we do. The curse, the purple smoke smoke curse. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. And, and Maleficent realizes that the thorns are not stopping him. So that's when she turns herself into a dragon. And he, unfortunately, is pretty much backed into a corner on the edge of a cliff. And Maleficent is about to push him over the edge and she's snapping at him, which that noise drove you nuts. Oh, it did. And you know why? Because it's castanets. They use (laughs) castanets for the sound of her, um, her snapping jaws. Yeah. Well, the, and, and I just, I wrote down, they called when Flora and Fawn and Meriwether gave, uh, the prince, what was his name? Philip. Philip. Sorry. Uh, the, he was named after the of the Prince of Edinburgh, Queen Elizabeth's husband, Philip. Okay. So when they gave Prince Philip, they said, "Here are the weapons of righteousness," mm-hmm. and they gave mm-hmm. him the sword and the shield. Yeah. And then Maleficent said, "By the powers of hell." And I thought it was very interesting mm-hmm. that they used very specific language instead of, you know, whatever. So just right. want to throw that out there. Right. And. And I wrote down evil die and love endure. I think it was in one of the, somebody mentioned it. Evil dies and love endures. Yeah. I don't recall who might've said that, but, um, but yeah, so he, you know, with the, uh, magic, Philip throws the sword, Mm -hmm. the fairy's sword goes, uh, the fairies essentially make sure that it goes directly into her heart, into the dragon's heart, and it causes her to fall to her death. She falls off the cliff. She's screaming as she goes, and then she hits the ground and just turns into psh, dust. Yep. I love the ending. It's Which, a very... by the way, once upon a time, mm-hmm. what happened to Maleficent? She turned into... She was kept in the dragon form she, when Emma threw the sword at right. her. But she turned into an old, old guy with a smoking jacket jumping around. She did not. In the- <laughs> she turned into dust. Okay. Which well, is pretty much what But then happened. there's a sentinel thing that happened We after. won't go into that whole... All right. Don't even, don't even get me started on that. Okay. But bottom line is she turned into ashes, right? Yes. Dust, which yes. is exactly what happened in the movie Sleeping Beauty. This was one of those movies where it was a classic good versus evil. Sure. And... It was, in a way, Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey, that kind of a thing. But that was my first, probably, glimpse at whatever age I saw this movie at, as a Luke Skywalker in an X-Wing facing this insurmountable thing of hitting this perfect spot to do Mm -hmm. something good to destroy evil. Right. So this prince cut through all the thorns, Mm -hmm. got through... 
and then faced Maleficent he becoming loved, yeah. this this huge dragon with yeah. fire coming out on this cliff. Danger. I mean, it was dangerous. It was not easy. And so facing this and by magic, mm-hmm. you know, we'll say maybe kind of guided yeah. through this sword. And also the fairies kind of helped him, like you were saying, mm-hmm. turning the arrows into flowers so sure. that so that he was at least protected, protected to get right. to the end. Right. But at the end, it was all him. And so it was pretty, it was. you know, it was one of those kind of life lessons is when your back's against a wall and it's just you and you are facing something that you can't, you don't think you can do. You have to call on just something inside of you. You can do it. Mm-hmm. And it was really, it's one of those things where no one was there to help him. He was on his own and he conquered it. The fairies so. were there and. But they couldn't, they couldn't put the, they couldn't put Maleficent to sleep. They couldn't no, put the dragon to sleep. No, but they could have helped guide his sword is what I'm saying. They could Possibly, have made yeah. sure that it hit the right target. Yeah. Because him throwing it, you know, who knows? But anyway, Maleficent has gone. So they rush him back to the castle mm-hmm. and he goes up to the tower and he kisses Sleeping Beauty and she awakens. Yep. And then they come down the stairs and at this point in time the whole when she was awakened the palace was awakened so everybody's now kind of waking up from their groggy sleep even the drunk guy absolutely with the, guitar. The, the minstrel yeah that guy <laughs> and then um hubert and stefan are sitting there and they're kind of continuing the conversation yep. and then they turn and look and the two uh the two children are coming down the stairs and uh Aurora's reunited with her parents, which I thought was interesting. She just naturally went and hugged them. She's never met them before. At least she doesn't remember meeting them. But she goes and hugs her parents, and then they have their wedding and their ball dance. And as they're dancing... Kind of like Emma. Very much like Emma. But as they're dancing... Actually, I was thinking more like Snow, but anyway. As they're dancing... Flora and uh, Meriwether continue their whole battle over which color yes. the dress should be. And then they're dancing in the clouds. Yep. So it was kind of fun. And the last color to appear? Blue. Pink. Really? Yep. <sighs> Ended on pink. Okay. I don't agree with that. <laughs> right. As being the right color to have finished on. If only Twitter was alive and the, the Twitter was available in 1959. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Then it could have been more fun. It I was think. blue. It should have been blue, but it was pink. So anyway, and then they lived happily ever after, as far as we know, because yes, that's they what did. we're told. Yes, they did. All right. I would like all of the listeners here. You all right? I'm all right. Thank you. Okay. Excuse me. So I want every everyone who's listening. I want to introduce you to Tracy and Scott. They host a wonderful podcast called Disney Indiana. Mm -hmm. They bring a little bit of Disney magic to Indiana and with their podcast to the rest of the world. Yes. They are extremely well-researched on what they give you. So they have a lot of great information. Check them out. Yes. And here is some thoughts from Tracy and Scott.
Jeff, Colleen, and the Once Upon a Time fan podcast family. My name is Tracy, and I'm here with my husband, Scott, and we're the co-hosts of the Disney and Dana podcast. Jeff and Colleen ask us to record a segment sharing our thoughts on the 1959 Disney classic Sleeping Beauty as part of their Disney Once Again series. Scott, when I say Sleeping Beauty, what does that bring to mind in terms of this film? For me, two things jump immediately to mind. The song, Once Upon a Dream, and Maleficent. Oh, yes. One of the best Disney baddies ever. Also, for me, after having watched the film again to prepare for this segment, I was reminded of how gorgeous the film looks, thanks mostly to Evan Earl, the stylist of the film, as well as the expert use of the multiplane camera. Now, since we like to discuss the history of Disney productions over on our show, let's look at the background of these items. First, the song, Once Upon a Dream, written by Jack Lawrence and Sammy Fain. who wrote such standards as I Can Dream, Can't I? I'll Be Seeing You, That Old Feeling, Love is a Many Splendored Thing, and much more. Jack Lawrence was a lyricist who wrote the classics Tenderly for Rosemary Clooney and Beyond the Sea for Bobby Darin. Now the two were hired at Disney to provide songs for Sleeping Beauty after working together in 1950. Now after some of this work was completed for the project, Walt Disney changed his mind about the direction the animators were taking. They ended up scrapping just about everything, including the music the two had already been working on, and came up with an entirely new approach. Walt recommended using the music from Tchaikovsky's 1890 ballet as an inspiration, drawing directly from the melodies in some cases. George Bruns worked on the score, which received both Academy Award and Grammy nominations. Jack Lawrence and Sammy Fain were then tasked with writing a song based upon the waltz section from Act One. This song became the classic Once Upon a Dream. Not only is it performed by Briar Rose and Prince Philip in the film, the chorus also sings the tune as an overture in the third reprise final. It's been covered over the years by many artists, including Barbara Streisand as part of the Disney medley on the album The Concert. Let's move on to Maleficent. I really felt quite distressed at not receiving an invitation. You weren't wanted. Not what? Oh, dear, what an awkward situation. I had hoped it was merely due to some oversight. Well, in that event, I'd best be on my way. While Evan Earl was the stylist for Sleeping Beauty, and we'll talk more about him later, Mark Davis was the character animator who brought this classic villain to life. Now, Davis was one of Walt Disney's nine old men and already well-established at the studios. He is considered one of the best Disney animators for realistic characters, particularly females. 
In fact, Davis was a lead animator for Aurora Briar Rose in this film as well. Now, for a live-action reference, Davis asked Eleanor Audrey to pose and act out certain scenes featuring Maleficent. Audley, who had already played Lady Tremaine in Cinderella, would also voice this evil fairy. According to a story told by Andreas Dejia on his blog, soon after Sleeping Beauty finished production, the studio arranged for a screening of the film just for her. Dejia wrote, quote, She said she was the only one in the theater watching this big screen spectacle. I felt privileged and I adored the film. However, Miss Audley wasn't the only inspiration for Maleficent. It had long been rumored that another actress also participated in live-action reference sessions, Malia Nurmi, better known as the horror host Vampira. A February 2014 article on Salon.com describes the confirmation of this Hollywood urban legend based on both Ms. Nurmi's private papers and the Disney archives. Now let's go back a little and talk about the look of the film. Credit goes chiefly to Evan Earle, who Walt Disney chose as the film's color stylist and chief background designer. Earl used manuscripts and other artworks from the later Middle Ages as his inspiration, probably most evident in the opening scenes of the film. Earl painted the majority of the film's backgrounds as well. These usually took seven to ten days to complete, compared to the usual practice of spending just a single day on an animation background. Disney's decision to give Earl so much artistic freedom was not popular among the Disney animators, who were used to exercising influence over the style of their own characters and settings. We already mentioned how actors were used to provide live-action references for Maleficent. In fact, both Princess Aurora and Prince Philip also had actors playing their parts for the animators. Now, speaking of Prince Philip, he is the first Disney prince to actually be named in a film, as neither the princes in Snow White or Cinderella are ever referenced to by name. He also has more personality and an actual story arc. And I suppose, unlike those other two films, it's not quite love at first sight for Philip. After all, he did meet Aurora at her christening. True, but he didn't look too enamored of her at that time. Remember that face he makes? While this film expands considerably from the source material for both Maleficent and the Good Fairies, Aurora and Philip still feel a little two-dimensional to me, especially compared to more recent Disney fairy tale films like Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, and Aladdin. I agree, Scott. Now, it had been many, many years since I'd watched Sleeping Beauty. You know, I'd forgotten that Maleficent actually captures Prince Philip and holds him in her dungeon, and the good fairies have to help free him. I also thought there was more going on with the goons. I guess they made more of an impression on me when I was young. So, what do we think of Sleeping Beauty? Well, I know I'd watched the film at some point in my life, but I don't remember when it would have been, and I guess that speaks a little to my overall impression of the film. While I love the song Once Upon a Dream, Maleficent is an incredible baddie, and the fairies have some fun dialogue, the rest of the film kind of falls flat for me. But one thing that really struck me on this most recent viewing was how much Maleficent's goons reminded me of the Horn King's minions in the Black Cauldron. Well, to get the timeline right, I guess the minions in the cauldron reminded me of Maleficent's goons. Tracy, what did you think of the film? Sleeping Beauty is an absolutely beautiful film. Earl's backgrounds managed to evoke a medieval feel with a mid-century touch. And I definitely agree that Maleficent is one of Disney's top villains. However, while I appreciate the place the film holds in Disney's animated history, the story itself doesn't do a whole lot for me. There are other films in the Disney canon I'm much more likely to want to watch again. 
Nonetheless, it was fun to revisit this classic film. We appreciate Jeff and Colleen's invitation to participate in their Disney Once Again series here on the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. Now, if you would like to learn more about us, Tracy and I host the Disney Indiana Podcast, which can be found over at www.disneyindiana.com or you search for it on iTunes. Thanks again to Jeff and Colleen. Thanks, Scott and Tracy. Yes. And you must go check out their podcast. Yeah. They do something really, really cute. Yeah. Is that you can own, quote unquote, a spot in their town. Yeah. They have a little virtual town. Yeah. And you can pick the area, the address and the street name. Mm-hmm. And so when you write in, giving your thoughts on something, they will say, oh, and we heard from whatever 1138 lucas boulevard or something like that right and it's really cute so check it out yeah you will learn something every single time you listen to their podcast they do incredible research on their topics i mean i'm blown away at some of the stuff they come up with so definitely give them a listen they're they're really worth it i have one more little thing i do want to point out about sleeping beauty that i completely forgot and i meant thought about it earlier um much like bambi the main character, Sleeping Beauty, has the least lines. She doesn't speak nearly as much in this film. The majority of the lines are given to the fairies, Maleficent, and other characters. She only has a very short amount of dialogue in the whole entire film. So um, just kind of want to point that out because it was kind of interesting. So again, we have one more mm-hmm. podcast We do in this little mini segment during the hiatus period of time for once upon a time so our next movie i'll give you a little hint just wait a minute you thought you could escape (laughs) but you cannot nope so we are going to be discussing Frozen next on the next episode of Disney Once Again. Yes. But if you're tired of this song, please listen to our next episode anyway. Yes. Because we'll be talking about more than just the song. Yes, we will. So uh, Because, again, Frozen is coming to Once Upon a Time. That's true. And therefore, we felt that that was the natural lead-in mm-hmm. because we don't have any comparisons yet as to what will happen with Frozen. So our next viewing of Frozen is going to be what we think, based on what we do know, but what we think could potentially come into play. Yes. So, anyway, if you're on the fence about watching mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time when Frozen becomes part of the Mm storyline, I want you to give it one more shot. Listen to our next podcast. Listen to us talk about it. And at Mm -hmm. the end of that podcast, we're going to give our thoughts about what we think is going to happen with Once Upon a Time as these Frozen characters in the storyline become a part of it. So don't give up yet. If you're on the fence, listen to the next podcast Mm -hmm. episode of Disney once again, Mm -hmm. coming in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And let us talk it through with you. We really would appreciate that. So give us one more listen before you say, I'm not going to watch Once Upon a Time because of Frozen. Just give us one more chance and 
we'll, we'll talk to you about it. So, okay. Yep. All right. Until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen. And we will talk to you soon. See Sounds you guys. Good. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for Disney Once Again. Disney Once Again is a Roni's Own Media production and part of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. If you're new to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, you can go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash iTunes and subscribe to the feed. That way you'll never miss another episode. We're building a community around this podcast on Facebook you can get to it at facebook.com slash Disney once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen saying talk to you soon.